Welcome to Occult of Personality, esoteric podcast extraordinaire. I'm your host, Greg Kaminsky. In episode number 207, our friend Derek Hunter returns to the show to discuss his recent book, The End of the World, a love chaos grimoire for the survival and evolution of human beings. Occult of Personality podcast is made possible by you, the listeners, and by the subscribers to ChamberOfReflection.com, our membership site, who aids us in the cause of informed, authentic, and accessible interviews about Western esotericism. Because of your support, we're able to bring you recordings of this caliber and many more to come. I want to take a moment to announce the publication of my first book, It's entitled Praneus, Reflections on the Preliminary Practices of Buddhist Tantra from a Western Perspective. If you're interested in esoteric spirituality and the pursuit of gnosis, seeking effective and practicable methods that produce transformation and even have the potential to bring the practitioner to self-realization, then this book is for you. Designed to provide readers with a perspective on the view and methods of the preliminary practices of Buddhist Tantra in a way that is accessible and applicable to modern Westerners using examples and quotations from familiar philosophical and esoteric traditions. Because human beings are essentially similar, this path can be effective and has proven to be so for women and men across centuries, continents, and cultures. The highest spiritual realization is available to all of us, regardless of who we are, where or when we live, or any other circumstance, provided we receive the teachings and practice the methods. This book is a first step towards that. Available on Amazon.com. See the link in the show notes. Anathema Publishing Limited. Quality Occult Books and Contemporary Esoterica. Established in 2011, Anathema Publishing aims to provide superior literature in content and form by creating a trinosophic relationship in Troth and Gabo between publisher, author, and reader. Anathema Publishing produces refined books for the true bibliophile on topics ranging from Gnosticism traditional craft, alchemy, hermeticism, witchcraft, to Luciferian theosophy. www.anathemapublishing.com Now, in episode number 207, an interview with Derek Hunter about his recent book, The End of the World, A Love Chaos Grimoire, for the survival and evolution of human beings. You can find Derek online at www.love-chaos.com. And you may recall that Derek last joined us previously in 2018. I really like the intention behind Derek's work in this book, and I appreciate the desire to benefit humanity by esoteric means. I also feel that this is one of the more positive reactions to the events of the past year that I've seen. This interview was quite enjoyable as Derek is a kind, thoughtful, good man who's overcome adversity and works to help others. And all of that comes through his words and deeds as you'll hear in this interview. I recommend Derek and his work. His approach to spirituality is genuinely from the heart, and that is a great quality. Derek Hunter is a writer of fiction and nonfiction, the founder of Love Chaos, a non-dogmatic agnostic philosophy and way of life. Hunter created Love Chaos in 2014 with the publication of the first book, Love Chaos. It was conceived as a means for Hunter to help himself in a dark time in his life and also to help others. The intro music is Awakening by Paul Avgerinos, and the outro music is Evolution by MRDC.
Derek Hunter, welcome back to Occult of Personality Podcast. It's great to speak with you again. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Greg. I really, really appreciate you uh, asking me on and uh, being here and, and having an opportunity to talk with you again. Uh, very much appreciate and very happy to be here. Yeah, likewise. I feel the same. And, uh, you know, I've been following your work for a while now, and I think it's been maybe, I don't know, two or three years since we last spoke. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds about right. I think uh, 2017, thereabouts, uh, I think is when we first met. And then I think we, yeah, I think we did our conversation like the end of 2017. And uh, yeah, so it's been about three years. Yeah. Wow. So a lot of things have changed since then, both probably in our personal lives and the world in general. Yes. And um, you've put out a new book, and that's part of the reason why we're meeting tonight to speak about it. It's called The End of the World, A Love Chaos Grimoire for the Survival and Evolution of Human Beings. And um, it's well, we're going to get to the book. I really like it, and I like the intention behind it. But Thank um, you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so maybe the best way to begin is, uh, you know, we, we talked a bit about, you know, you and your work in the previous interview, but that was really quite a brief introduction, you know, and so... Maybe the best place to begin, I think, might be to refresh the listeners' memories about Love Chaos, your personal philosophy, uh, I guess you could say, and and just sort of uh, remind people about you know what you do and um, and your life and how it all fits together. Sure. Yeah. It, um, that was a really great conversation that we had. Uh, I remember, you know, it was like about a half an hour long. It was, was, was excellent, but, um, it was, a uh, was a good kind of like, uh, I guess sort of like a, a crash course into who I am and the kind of work that I do. And that was great. And, uh, it certainly is something that, you know, uh, for me, and we've talked about this before, uh, both in that conversation and just in, in our personal lives is, just how important it is for for me to have a, a philosophy of life, which is something that is embodied in my day to day existence, and uh, that's inclusive of pr- pretty much all aspects of my life. And uh, so I, you know, I've been practicing uh, magic. I've been, you know, uh, a dabbler in the occult for about a decade now. And um, when I first got into it. Um, I was a, a very different person than who I am now, and um, I uh, was really into Aleister Crowley and Austin Osmond Spare and Robert Anton Wilson and others, and um, did my own sort of thing and was you know just exploring. But uh, I was really doing a lot of uh, he- heavy substance uh, use, and I uh, really wanted to live life uh, in my mind to the fullest. And that, to me at that time, meant um, pushing myself with intoxicants uh, as an artist, as a writer. I'm a writer. Uh, my main thing as a writer is writing stories, uh, writing fiction. So I, I was, I certainly had an awareness about life. I was definitely not like completely unconscious at the time. But uh, it was definitely an, a sort of a, um, I think, a, a self-destructive um, bent to what I was doing. Uh, which was not good, not just for myself, but the fact that I had a son in my life. And so when I got to the point of a number of years of living that kind of lifestyle, I uh, realized that I had to make a big change and I needed help from people outside of myself that I needed um, to do some uh, um, some serious emotional growth and increase my emotional intelligence and at the time, this was in 2014, so this was about six years ago, uh, you know, I was thinking about um, joining a belief system which could help me. And because for, for most people, that's what happens is for most people uh, to get out of a, a, a life of heavy addiction or 
misbehaving or whatever it is that we do where we want to change our lives. Generally, like most people are, are born again in one fashion or another. And for me, it was really difficult to find something that I would, could f- firmly, um, sincerely, 100% believe in. There's a lot of belief systems out there, which, I mean, I, I, I can find value in, in pretty much almost every, every belief system out there, um, and some more than others for me. But um, none was really speaking to me, to my heart. And so I had this crazy notion um, and, um, and th- th- that maybe, well, why not just create something uh, of my own? You know, why not just create my own way of life, my own way of, of seeing the world, uh, my own philosophy? And I had always, I'd always seen life and the nature to existence as inherently chaotic and unpredictable. And, uh, and then I, and then love was always, was a very important part of, of life to me as well. So I felt that, that, uh, I, I, I thought of, of creating this philosophy, which I call love chaos. And the, the basic, uh, concept of love chaos is that it views life as inherently unpredictable, chaotic. And, uh, which doesn't mean that there isn't, um, order and, uh, form and, um, cause and effect in, in the universe for sure. Uh, but just in my, in my way of looking at things, the underlying principle behind the universe is, is inherently for the most part, uh, unpredictable and chaotic. And so within this chaotic universe that, uh, that I find myself in, it's important that I, uh, focus my energies, my intention on love for other people and for myself. And so from that more was born the philosophy of love chaos. And then I started writing things down, writing notes down as they came to me. And uh, the first book to love chaos uh, came out and I published it in that year of 2014. And um, from there, uh, love chaos grew as I grew, you know, as I got went to back to school to pursue a career as a drug and alcohol counselor. and. Uh, Met some amazing people, met some amazing teachers, uh, one of whom is uh, the artist, the painter who paints all the paintings on the covers of my books and on my website, Eric Fiazzi. He's a, uh, been a, a, a f- fantastic mentor for me in my life uh, and uh, really has shown me so much and been a, a great inspiration. Uh, met others, uh, my girlfriend at the time, who you actually met uh, that one time, Joanne. Uh, she and I came to see you at a uh, at your lecture uh, here. Oh, in that's Pastor. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was lovely. Yeah. Oh yeah, she was amazing. It, unfortunately, she and I are are no longer together. But uh, she was she is by far w- w- the relationship that I had with her was one of the most beautiful that I've had in, in my life. Uh, she was just a great person, and we really had something wonderful. And uh, it just didn't uh, work out as it oftentimes does happen that way in life. But um, so I met her at the school and, uh, you know, it just was a great experience. So in my, in my experience of working in psychology, taking psychology classes, working with um, uh, working in the field as a counselor, helping people who struggle with addiction and criminality. Uh, so having firsthand experience, helping other people struggle with issues that I struggled with. From that experience, uh, the ideas of love chaos developed. So for a lot of my, uh, what goes into the second book of love chaos, which is called love chaos in theory and practice, uh, a lot of my personal experiences in not only my own life, but in my, uh, my career, my job as a, a counselor, uh, found, found its way into the development of love chaos. And, uh, so it, there's a lot of, 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 psychology and uh, the helping field uh, in, in love chaos, as well as magical practices as well. So that is a, a key part of, of love chaos is that it's not only just about practicing magic, it's also about uh, bettering yourself uh, as a human being uh, through psychological tools and uh, self-awareness. And so um, for me, I think it's really important um, that the two work together, uh, psychology and, and, and magic. 
Uh, they don't need to be in opposition for me. I think they can be very beneficial if they work together. So that that's the 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 gist uh, of Love Chaos, and uh, of course, the book you just mentioned is the third book in the Love Chaos philosophy. And uh, but out of out of the seven books that I've uh, written, most are either novels or short story collections. And uh, I, I'm in in my heart of hearts. I am I'm a, I'm a storyteller. I love to tell stories, and I love language and literature. That's really where most of my experience is in, has been in. But uh, I, I feel, you know, uh, my love for for literature is very. Um, is is basically is informed in many ways by my interest in the occult and philosophy and uh, magical practice and uh, my own mythology. Um, so it, the two definitely work together, um, and they're not. I don't. I don't. You know, separate them. And so, in, in this goes sort of to wrap it all up. It uh, ties into what I was said at the beginning is that um, for me, life is a an all-encompassing experience. So all aspects from my job as a counselor to me being a father to my son to being a um, a, a writer of fiction to being a, uh, a you know the creator uh, 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 and, and the person behind Love Chaos. Uh, the, all of these different elements to my life are all uh, interwoven, and I, I definitely do not separate uh, any element of my life uh, from each other. Mm. Thank you. The End of the World, your new book. This is interesting text, I think, because essentially what you're providing to readers is uh, sort of your intention and then your experience in fulfilling that and maybe kind of using that as a template for people to do something maybe similar or something different but i don't know what you'd call that it's like like a manifesto where you're you're trying to rouse people to action in a in a sense certainly i mean the the very first uh sentence in the book is that it's it's proclaiming that this book is a, a call to action um it um I, I would say that it would probably be a, a a peculiar or odd call to action because i really try to refrain from telling people what to do so it um and that really is sort of inherent to the philosophy of love chaos is that i really try to be as 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 undogmatic as possible with love chaos in general and in so so I, I also wanted to stay true to that uh, with this book as well, is that even though that very first sentence and the intent of the book is very um, is a uh, is a, like a call to action, getting, you know, asking people to do their part, um, the way that people do their part is is I really want it to be up to them. And all the details that I include in the book uh, in terms of my mythology my the way the entities that i work with the relationships i have with them the concepts that i have with these enti entity or the concepts behind them in terms of how i define them um the nature of of my agnosticism my na the nature of my my gnosticism the nature of my luciferianism uh the nature of uh just the the way i view magical practice um all of these things, all the items that I use for the uh, uh, for the for the ritual, um, the dates that I chose, um, all of these different elements that went into the ritual itself, it's um, the the elements themselves. I don't think have to be replicated by other people at all. But I think the purpose of why I included all these different things is I really wanted to one encourage people to act to use their magical practice for the survival and evolution of human beings. And then also in the process of doing that really put a lot of effort into their, their ritual. Um, so that requires a lot of thinking, a lot of emotional work, a lot of thought. Um, because to me, the more effort you put into your ritual, um, the more, uh, it's not, I'm not, I'm not 
I'm not like a chaos magician trying to emphasize results or, or anyone else. It, uh, it's not about results per se. It's more about the experience itself, which usually often ends up being resulting in something that is what the practitioner wanted to do. Um, because I think that if you do put your, your hundred percent of yourself into your practice, you'll find that the results will be very, uh, very rewarding in a lot of different ways. Yeah, that's interesting. I would tend to agree with that. Um, so maybe you could talk more about the the overall intention around the book, the end of the world, this idea of uh, sort of like a coming to a conclusion um, and talk about the survival and evolution of human beings. Um, and, and you conducted the magical working that the book details, like right during the beginnings of the pandemic. So, um, yeah, I can imagine it had a, a very apocalyptic sort of feel to it, but maybe you could really expand upon this for us sure yeah it it really the 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 germs of the book really the the beginnings of the book started uh last year and um you know prior to the coronavirus um you know it it last year in particular but really i mean for the last few decades um you know consciousness of climate change and and the dangers of climate change uh had been very um very strong uh, and, uh, in me being a father, uh, my son being, uh, last year for turning 14, this year, 15 being of the, of the age where, you know, thinking in, in terms of what kind of future, uh, not only that I will have as I get older, but what kind of life he will have and hopefully be able to, um, have children and what kind of life they will have. And where we will go as a species, too, I mean, thinking just in terms of not just uh, my son's life or his ki his kids' lives, but just in terms of humanity, um, I, I've really felt strongly um, in terms of, like, when I created Love Chaos, for example, that the love uh, should extend to humanity at, at large. Um, and I really feel strongly that love should be expressed or experienced not just for ourselves and those that we know, but for the whole human race. And, um, I feel that, um, is really the, uh, the, the key element to transcending, um, a lot of the petty squabbles that humans have with each other. And, um, and so for me, understanding that love chaos is ultimately about love for humanity. I wanted to do a ritual for that love of humanity and, uh, for our future. And, um, and, and with, with, in regards to the spirit of love chaos, it's, you know, I created it as a, well, why the hell not? You know, why, you know, uh, it, I, it, it may be pretentious of me or presumptuous of me to go and even create it or even thinking about creating it. But I just figured, well, why not? It, it doesn't exist out there. So why not create it? And, uh, it spoke to me and I, that's why I, I created it. And, uh, so too was in the same spirit of, of even just thinking about this ritual was there was the concern on my part of, well, how dare I even think about doing something like this? Uh, you know, and, and why, and, uh, it's out of my, it's out of my capacity or scope. And, um, and even if, if let's say it is, you know, well, why not? You know, why not? If I know I have that concern about our, our, our future as a species, why not? You know, why not do a ritual that could, uh, do something, you know, it, and, and, uh, me being agnostic, it maybe won't do anything. You know, it, there's that, that aspect of doubt, which I am fine with. I'm comfortable with doubt. I'm comfortable with different possibilities. But this doubt does not negate uh, my passion for life. It doesn't negate my love for life. And if I know I can do something, then I'm going to do it. You know, I think it's important to know that, you know, being an, an agnostic person such as myself does not mean 
we are passive. We can be very passionate about life. We can be um, people of action. And uh, I feel that as a, a practitioner, uh, I've seen the results in these 10 years of all the rituals that I've done over this decade of how it's changed my life, you know, in so many different ways. So I felt that the possibility was there to do a ritual to to affect change and, and put this, this energy, these ideas out into the universe and, and the hopes of, of creating that change so that uh, human beings will survive and human beings uh, will evolve. The way you feel about the potential for the end of the world, I don't know, that could be like human extinction as some sort of event. Yes. Um, yes. That could be some sort of like general decline. Well, I think in, in terms of, in terms of, the, I guess the starting point for me was a, a starting point of, um, you know, keep in mind, you know, I, I'm not a, um, I'm not a science nerd whatsoever. My brain has always found it really difficult to grasp a lot of the ideas and concepts in, in science in general, in all the different fields of science. And so I'm not, I, uh, my brain is much better when it comes to literature and, and history and telling stories and philosophy and sort of my brain works much better in that way. When it came to math and science, I was horrible at school in that. So uh, I'm not in, in terms of who I am, I'm not a scientist whatsoever. That being said, I, I do have um, trust in science and I do, I do um, feel that I'm, I, I, I like the concept behind science and I, and science is inherently about evidence and it's about what is, what we have and, and what, what is studied, what are the results, what do you see before you? And then you, you not only do it yourself, but then that is judged uh, by others in the field and so forth. So we don't come to conclusions until we find enough evidence to support that conclusion. And I feel like that's a really healthy thing for humanity to have. And so in terms of the science behind climate change is enormous. Um, and I, I trust that, you know, I trust that. I think it, we're kind of beyond the point of, of, of debate. That's how I feel about it. Um, and uh, I, the science shows that um, our, our window of opportunity is very, very small in terms of what we can do um, to stop complete catastrophe and uh so that you know and i and i mentioned in the book there was a, another book that was an inspiration for me it was a brazen vessel uh by alcestis dimetch and, and peter gray of scarlet imprints uh which to me by the way is one of the greatest books of the century i think it is just a phenomenal book in, in so many different ways um the two of them are of course great publishers but they're also um excellent uh, authors in their own right. And uh, essay after essay just hits you again and again with just uh, amazing insight and beautiful expression. And um, and I've been a, a definitely a big champion of Scarlet Imprint and their work. And uh, this book was just really hit me hard. And one of the notions in the book was that, uh, and I, I think I'm pretty accurate, and I don't think they're going to disagree with me if they if they would hear this, but is the acceptance of death and the acceptance of the end. Uh, and so for them, and again, I could be wrong, for, but my impression from reading the book uh, is this acceptance that it's too late. Um, humanity will die off. Uh, we didn't do enough. It was too late. So this next stage for human beings uh, is about acceptance of our end. and. Uh, the psychological and spiritual necessity that we will need to take in accepting that end. And that to me was something that I, I actually embraced. I feel like that's, that is healthy. I do, I do think that there is actually a good chance that we are going to, to die. If not this century, uh, by the next century, the human beings will no longer exist. Uh, and primarily because of climate change. Uh, but that other part of me, the uncertain, the uncertainty to to the universe to me being agnostic was this possibility that 
uh, we might not die. We might not end. We might not perish this century or the next, that we might survive and also evolve. So this same principle of the why not I, I is what really inspired me to write um, this book. And uh, that that is really like the strong um, motivation for writing the book. Well, I think I feel on like a some level that's not intellectual, like I'm glad that you wrote the book and had the reaction of like, well, what if it that's not a foregone conclusion? Because it I mean, from my perspective, I don't really see uh, this realm as like a primarily one that's based on physical, material, substance, phenomena as the root cause and ultimate result of everything. So to me, I, I... can't even really imagine or envision like I can imagine and envision like a great reduction in population, but I can't imagine or envision like a complete extinction of humanity because like on a certain level, the human's function is like intimately interrelated with the divine itself. So there's a lot of factors at play that we don't necessarily have the capacity to appreciate that, um, you know, see our survival maybe as important, but not because of like us as individuals in our lives, but more as because of just our general function as, uh, you know, what our body mind is capable of doing. But, that's kind of a digression anyway. So I'm glad you had that reaction and, and wrote the book. Um, because I, I feel like, especially when we're talking about magic, um, and mysticism, and it's about like this, this sort of transcendence, like it's about a self transcendence, a transcendence of, conceptuality or of culture of and certainly a transcendence maybe of like fixed possibility and ultimate conclusions right it's like embracing the liminal it's embracing potentiality and possibility um in the in you know in the hopes of affecting some kind of change right whether that's self-improvement or divine union or a change in literal circumstances, I guess. Right. Definitely. I I mean, to me, I think it's all about transformation, you know, Mm -hmm. and and complete transformation. And, um, and that that's, that's a huge part of, I think, if you work in, in, as an, an occult practitioner, whether you're a mystic or a magical practitioner or uh, a Gnostic or however you choose to define yourself, I think, you know, I know that people like to emph- sometimes emphasize the differences. You know, I've, I've run into people who they'll see just their, they, they call themselves uh, Gnostics and they see the word magic and they, they, they uh, cringe, you know, and they're like, Oh no, not, not a, you're, you're one of those people, aren't you? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I, I think that, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel very strongly that, um, we're all in this sort of this, this experience, uh, together in different philosophies and different points of view, but we're all looking to, for a really deep and meaningful transformation. Uh, you know, whether you're a magical practitioner or a, uh, a Gnostic or a mystic or, however you choose to define yourself, it, you're looking to change your reality. And, um, and, and that to me is, is really worthwhile. And, uh, 
is something that um, is very possible. You know, life has a lot of different elements to it that you can change. And so often it just seems like life is fixed and that it, it doesn't change and we can't change it because we do live in the here and now and the day to day, the second to second, the minute to minute, the hour to hour. And so, so a lot of yeah. You said, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I yeah, think it's ahead. important to clarify because um, you said uh, sort of change our reality. Yes. And I'm curious if you mean exactly what you said, or do you mean change our experience of reality? Or it late or maybe like change its change our perception so we can actually experience reality as it is. Or are you talking about something different than I am, maybe? Well, I think, you know, so I think that. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to, to answer that question. I think that in terms of um, one element or one aspect of life is, for example, the issue that I had in my past as, as being an addict, being addicted to, to drugs and alcohol. And um, that that was something that I knew from my working with sigils, with sex, with, uh, sex magic, uh, with uh, using charging sigils and, and with a statement of intent. A desire, uh, in much the same way that Austin Osmond Spare uh, worked with sigils, is that um, you want to put uh, something, a desire, uh, a statement of intent deep into the subconscious. And there are different techniques to do this, uh, as you know. And uh, and so this was something where I would put the, uh, a statement of intent that I will no longer be addicted to alcohol, for example. Right. And I would put that in and through a day's worth of a ritual and all these different techniques that I utilized, I would put that into myself, into my subconscious. And so the reality that I was changing was this underlying um, belief deep in my uh, subconscious that I had, that uh, I was an addict, um, that it was a necessary part of who I was to have alcohol every day. And um, it changed my reality for sure. It changed how I related to my reality, and it changed the how, it changed the people around me because they were responding to me in a different way because I was a different person. So the change that took place in in, in reality uh, started within me, and then from within me, it 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 extended to all the different people that I ran into. Uh, and so, in that sense, you know. Uh, it was a change of my perception of myself, which resulted in a change in my, in my reality, who I was, which then resulted in a change in reality, and not just in my perspective of reality, but reality itself, because the experiences that I was having with other people were very different. Uh, and it was all, but it, it all started with, um, with this uh, uh, belief in myself. Now, this new book that I did is very different in the sense that the magical practice that I did was about releasing uh, ideas, the statement of intent, out into the external world and uh, in a way where um, having more, I would say, trust in this spirit world uh, in the entities that I worked with, uh, for them to live a life of their own out into the universe. And, um, I feel, you know, again, even though I'm ag agnostic, I do feel very strongly that there is some kind of, um, other dimension that interacts with this one. And I feel, I feel very strongly that we can have a relationship with this, uh, other dimension and with the entities that interact, interact with us. Uh, I feel they inter interact with us all of the time. And so uh, this transformation is, a, I think, is a process. It's not a matter. I think it's important for me. I think it's not a matter of stage magic, which is uh, about illusion uh, and doing tricks and, and making reality appear different. In that sense, uh, for me, uh, this transformation of reality 
is a is a is again a process uh and it primarily through consciousness but i do feel that reality itself the nature to reality does change in this process it go it for me it extends beyond just um uh the perception of the individual on reality thank you i think that's helpful kind of like clarify your view on how this functions within the system can you talk a little bit more about the specific deities that you worked with, um, how you selected them, do you have a history with them prior, and then maybe a little bit about the composition in the form of a grimoire to encapsulate what you were doing? Sure. Um, to, so the thing that I... I mentioned in, in uh, Love, Chaos, and Theory and Practice in the book that I, I released last year uh, was that um, it, I felt in chapter three about occult uh, magical practice, I felt very strongly that it was important for people to create their own mythology. And I use that word mythology uh, in a very conscious, well, I hope conscious way, in the sense that I, you know, most people's perception of mythology is that um, it is a belief in something that's not true, uh, or it's a belief in something that is a uh, more about metaphors, or um, it's about you know uh, religions or spiritual beliefs from a long time ago. When we think of mythology, we think of Joseph Campbell, we think of Greek mythology, Norse mythology, and so on, and. Uh, we tend to look at them as, well, that's interesting, or I like that, or there's some insight there, but I wouldn't believe in that, you know? And um, I think for a person to call your own belief in certain entities and the stories behind those entities and their relationships, to call it a mythology, I think it helps in a number of ways. Um, I think it can help a person to allow, uh, the ability to be okay with doubt, uh, to be okay with the uncertainty of your own beliefs, uh, to be okay with uh, these, these, this attachment that we have with entities or a entity, um, could be could be purely conceptual. Uh, they may not ex- have an objective uh, reality outside of your own imagination, and that was really important for me. Uh, and that's a really important element to love chaos. And for people practicing uh, love chaos magic, and so that was a key thing to it. Uh, and then, in terms of the entities themselves, a lot of it is based on uh, my reading, research, and uh, previous authors, contemporary authors um, over the last few decades, and uh, even prior to my uh, uh, actual ritual practice of ten years ago of my. Uh, searching and searching for different philosophies and ways of life. I've always been a searcher. Uh, for me, I've always liked to pursue the truth behind existence, and I've gone through a lot of different phases. So, you know, uh, I was there was even a time when I was a Christian, uh, and back when I was about 19, 20, 21, and I was very uh, gung-ho about that, and it was a great experience, but then I, I let that go and was uh, I moved on. And uh, went to different, different uh, a really other, completely opposite experience, and um, but I, so I've gone through different phases in my life, and uh, so it, uh, it I, the 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 power of inversion to me is um, I think very helpful uh, when we can invert a, a concept of say an entity and change its meaning for us. Uh, from past traditions, uh, I, and if you do, if you do some research and you put some real thought into it, especially so, not just on a whim, but actually put some real serious thought and study into it, uh, and incorporate it into your life in a really meaningful way, then that to me is when the power of inversion um, can be really effective. And so for me, I, I've been in a process of inverting things for a while now. Uh, even prior to my creating uh, uh, Love Chaos, uh, I uh, 
am a huge, huge fan of Dostoevsky, the Russian author uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky. And uh, one of his novels is Crime and Punishment. It was about a young man who commits a murder. And uh, and it follows his sort of uh, – the murder happens fairly early on in the story. And we follow him and how he rationalizes it and how he sees himself, how he views society and so forth. Uh, and and uh, I love this story so much, but I I wanted to invert the meaning behind the story of what Dostoevsky wrote. And uh, and I and he had a, a Christian philosophy behind his work, an existential Christian philosophy, but still inherently Christian. And uh, and for him, it was important for the lead character to embrace guilt. To the, he found that it was powerful, and uh, in, in his eventual transcendence was accepting his responsibility for what he did, which is I think to me is very healthy. Uh, but the element of guilt of turning himself in to the authorities, uh, admitting that he was wrong. And that certainly is very important. We do need to admit that we're wrong. But I wanted to invert that. I wanted to have to write a story about a young man who committed a murder, but the circumstances were very different. In uh, in Crime and Punishment, Rascal Nukov, he, uh, he does not commit it in, really for any good reason. Uh, and he, he murders an old lady who's harmless. And so, and he tries to rationalize and justify it, and there's just no possible way for him to do so, no, no matter how intellectual or philosophical he is. So for me, I wanted to create a story where the lead character actually commits a murder in self-defense, and the circumstances basically um, required him to do so. Either he would be killed himself or he had to kill. Uh, and so the, in my story, the character's transcendence or emotional growth or coming of age is actually a denial of guilt. It's a denial of the of the um, of the of the philosophy of guilt, and a an embrace of the individual, a love of the individual, and by loving ourself, the individual uh, is extends then to the love of humanity. So that was a, 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 a again going to this power of inversion, which is very very important to me. So this was even before I created Love Chaos. So this has stuck with me throughout the first book of Love Chaos is uses uh, the three colors uh, uh, of alchemy, black, white, and red, and, and, and a lot of other uh, 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 beliefs and practices. I know there's more colors than that, but in most cases, or a lot of cases, you'll see those are the three main colors of alchemy. Black, which is death and decay, and uh, white is uh, purification, and red is perfection. And for me, I invert those, the meanings behind those colors. Black is birth, creation. White is corruption. And red is evolution, not perfection. And these are, are themes that are running through uh, this, uh, the stories that I'm writing. Uh, the first book, which was called Black, and the, the second, White, which I'm writing right now, and the third will be Red. And these are uh, part of a trilogy I'm writing called The Story of Us All. So again, I'm in a process of inverting. So I'm, I'm getting around to this because it's important that when I came to the conclusion that the entities that I wanted to work with, this is the history that came behind why I chose to, to work with these entities. Uh, and so I have always found a, 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 a kind of a, a, a fondness to Lucifer and uh, not only in terms of, of what he represents as a anti-hero, but uh, in terms of, of uh, uh, um, the love of self, of pride, uh, of, of power, uh, that can be balanced by compassion. Passion can be balanced by compassion. Pride can be balanced by humility. Uh, and so I feel an empower uh, balanced by, you know, sensitivity. Uh, and these are characteristics that I felt could be uh, embraced in a figure such as Lucifer. And so for me, I also wanted to invert the the role that Lucifer is a anti-hero in the sense or 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 the evil uh prince of darkness or fallen angel. So I I also uh you know had a, a fondness to Aleister Crowley, and there's many things in Thelema which I find appealing as well. And in Thelemic philosophy, uh Babylon is a very important figure. 
the, the holy whore and um and her her consort is chaos and uh in ancient in ancient greek the greeks viewed an early early stage of the universe was was chaos uh and uh and so i i that appealed to me so in my sort of hierarchy of my philosophy or my mythology uh everything started with uh the void with nothing no thing and out of that state of nothing uh nothing wanted to know itself and so created everything uh and in my mythology uh it requires to have a male and a female principle to create life and so there was chaos the father and babylon the mother and uh chaos was the first sort of direct link to the void uh to no thing uh, and is inherent in everything in experiences in life but in order for life to even exist there had to be a female principle and that to me is embodied by babylon and she is a a sex goddess she is a goddess that uh, represents uh, lust and the power of lust and this is not not just only purely sensual but it has a philosophical and a psychological component to it and that is that she is as the, the thelemites would say, you know, she's uh, 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 the holy whore and the mother figure and, and will uh, invites everyone. She denies no one. The only price that she that she asks you to pay is the uh, elimination or the destruction of your ego. And, uh, and for me, in a psychological sense, this is very important. Uh, I feel that uh, each of us are extremely important and we're extremely sacred and beautiful uh, and special but in a way also not special. There is an infinite number of, of other beings out there in the universe. There's certainly billions of other human beings just on this one planet. We don't know what else is out there in the universe. So there's so much in the universe that is that exists. I think that in terms of the relationship uh, one would have if one is devoted to Babylon is understanding and accepting that, that Babylon may love us as our mother, but she certainly loves other entities out there. And to accept that and to uh, embrace that is a healthy psychological step that we need to take. And uh, the entity that um, represents the denial of that, so so in my philosophy, the, the rebel is not Lucifer, but is, again, another uh, Thelemic uh, figure, uh, is Charanzan. And uh, he's the Lord of the Abyss, and um, he is a figure that denies his mother, denies his father, and uh, proclaims himself as the uh, the one and true uh, creator being. And also, it not it goes even goes further beyond that, though, is that it is an entity that seeks out to destroy every other form of existence, or at least subjugate it, oppress it. Uh, and dominate it in a very uh, power-hungry sense. So in this sense, this, the power of, of Tronzon is not about self-empowerment, but it's about uh, that he, he seeks power by cr uh, crushing others. And, uh, and for me, I feel that just as the, the, the power and the light of Lucifer is in everyone, I also feel that uh, the, the, the insecurities, the jealousy, the hatred, uh, that aspect of Charanzan and what he represents is inside us all as well. And uh, so beyond these, these, these are the sort of the, the main uh, figures in my mythology. There's other ones as well uh, underneath them, uh, but those are the main figures in my mythology. And working with that and working with the figures underneath them, creating a relationship with them is how I came about to create uh, the ritual that I did. And uh, I felt it, it really helps a lot when we have a, a thought out uh, and original uh, mythology that is our own. Uh, I think it can really help to um, invigorate your existence and, and the rituals that we do. Thank you. Um, and just to clarify, because it'd be helpful, you mentioned, you know, creating your own mythology. And you refer to these beings as entities. 
And I'm just wondering if you can sort of maybe refine your definition of, of what these beings are. Are they self-existent? Uh, how would you relate it to, say, like the Greek gods and goddesses or something along those lines? Well, I think it, it's very important for me. And I think if, some, if someone were to follow the path of love chaos and do rituals, do magical practice, it's very, one, there's a lot of room for uh, 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 one's own beliefs and one's own practices. You know, a person could be a Christian or can be a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist or an atheist or a pagan or whatever and still follow the path mm -hmm. of love chaos. So it's, and I really want to make it clear that um, it, it, my being, what I call myself an agnostic, agnostic Luciferian is not something that other people have to do to follow love chaos and certainly not to do this uh, ritual for uh, the, the survival and evolution of human beings. So it, it would, the, the one thing that I do ask people to do, if you do want to follow love chaos is do what I do. And that does mean that you do have to have an element of agnosticism. You have to have an element of doubt, which means in my, my version of doubt and agnosticism is this, is that you have to be okay with the, the possibility, two different possibilities. One is that the entities that you work with, the spiritual reality that you work with, um, could be uh, possibly just uh, in your imagination. They could be completely fictitious. They could just be ideas, concepts, and have no outside objective reality whatsoever, that it could all just be in your head. And so in order to follow Love Chaos, you'd have to be okay with that possibility. But you'd also have to be okay with the other possibility, which is that there may, there may be a real, true, objective uh, ex existence of these entities and of the spiritual realm, that it may actually really truly exist outside of your own head. And so it, it, a love chaos practitioner has to be okay with, other, with either possibilities. And that's the way it is for me. All of these, all of these entities that I mentioned, all the other ones that I work with, uh, from no thing to chaos to Babylon to Charanzon to Lucifer to many more, are all, they're all, for me, could be just completely my own creation and my own imagination or they could really truly hold their own existence outside of me and um and then for me it, it's i'm okay with with either either possibility okay and thank you derek for taking the time to talk with us again and sharing your practice and um your work with us um could you please remind people where they can find you online Sure. Yes, definitely. Um, and uh, it is the best place to to go is uh, my website, which is love-chaos.com. And that's spelled L-O-V-E-C-H-A-O-S.com. Uh, my website my website has all of my books, all the Love Chaos books, all the uh, works of fiction. I've written several novels, short story collections. And uh, also did music. I have a number of music albums on Bandcamp. Uh, most of them related to my books. Uh, I have links to all the interviews I've done over the years, uh, and one of which was one I did with you, as you know, many years ago, or three years ago. And uh, and there's there's a number of things. Also, my father, his work is on there on my website. Uh, and then there's links to other places where I'm at on social media. Uh, I'm most active on Facebook uh, in the Love Chaos Facebook group. So uh, there's uh, over a thousand people on there, which is very nice to see and uh, accumulated over the years. And people see, I, I for whatever reason, seem, people have seemed to respond to that the most out of, uh, I, I do not, I'm not very active on Twitter at all. Uh, I'm on Instagram a little bit, uh, but most of the things that I post regarding Love Chaos or things that I'm into, or in that Love Chaos Facebook group. Uh, so if you'd like to join, of course, you're more than welcome. And it's to find it, you just go to those Facebook groups and type in Love Thank Chaos, you. 
And Derek, it's such a it pleasure there. to speak with you. Um, I really appreciate the way you uh, are so open and, uh, you know, you're very kind hearted and uh, it's just, you know, it's nice to talk with you about this. And, uh, you know, I wish you all the best. And I look forward to talking to you again soon because um, I always enjoy it. And uh, it feels like it hasn't been uh, enough um, over the years. But, uh, you know, hopefully we can talk again soon. Definitely, definitely, Greg. I really am very extremely, extremely grateful to you. Uh, you're a wonderful human being. Uh, it's been a pleasure to get have gotten to know you. Uh, I know we don't see each other in person. Yeah. We yeah, only saw each wonderful. other that one Thank time, you. which was a, a beautiful experience, by the way. Uh, yeah, it was really great to see you. Uh, and you did an amazing job. Uh, and uh, I was my, my girlfriend at the time really loved it, too. So it was, that was something I'll, I'll never forget. And yeah, I just, you know, I really appreciate you and the work that you do, uh, you know, it, it, both with the cold of personality and just as a person. So, yeah. you know, thank uh, you, very appreciative. Right, and, just, uh, thank you very, very much. In the second half of this interview in the Chamber of Reflection, Derek Hunter goes into depth about the specifics of his magical working and the deities involved. It's great to get this level of insight into a private magical working designed to have such vast effects. Thanks to Derek for sharing his work with us. Listen to that exclusive recording at chamberofreflection.com or at our Patreon at patreon.com slash occultofpersonality. I'd like to remind you that although you're able to listen to this podcast at no charge, it costs time and money to create. We ask you to support our efforts and the creation of future podcasts by joining the membership section at chamberofreflection.com or subscribing via Patreon at patreon.com slash personality. And if you're already supporting the show or have done so in the past, my heartfelt thanks and I salute you. Thanks for listening and until next time.